Welcome to the IEEE Blockchain Podcast Series, an IEEE Digital Studio production. This podcast series, entitled Research Notes in Blockchain, is hosted by Quinn Dupont, former assistant professor at the University College Dublin School of Business and founder of Alumni, a Web3 startup with a mission of putting university diplomas on blockchain. Quinn is also the author of Cryptocurrencies and Blockchains. In this episode, Jean-Philippe Vagne, Associate Professor at University College London School of Management, discusses his research on how blockchain technology can be employed to change how organizations are structured at the managerial level. He also explores blockchain as an underlying technology in the development of a new digital platform for creating end-user value, as well as providing insights on the differentiation of decentralization and distribution. Thanks, JP, for joining me here. One of the things I want to first talk with you a little bit is actually your transition from Western to University College London. And and I knew you back when you were at Western and you're doing really interesting work with the the Scotiabank um, fintech stuff there. And but I've since seen that there's been a lot of action at UCL. And so I was wondering if you could maybe just give me a little bit of sense of uh, what's happening there in blockchain research and, and what are you really working on, you know, right up to the minute? Like what's 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 your next kind of research project? Give me a little sense on that. Sure. Um, uh, thanks for having me. I'm very happy to, to, to chat with you today. Um, so the... Um, UCL uh, Center for Blockchain Technologies is a transdisciplinary initiative um, within University College London that bridges people from computer science, engineering, uh, economics, um, and uh, more recently business um, to create a platform for uh, research on blockchain broadly speaking, and there's also industry associates and uh, industry partners, including some some large blockchain ecosystems that are all kind of um, uh, hanging out together and sharing ideas and, and data to advance uh, research in, in the space. And um, my specific angle these days, um, I would say is twofold. The first one is um, as a as a researcher in uh, organizational sciences and, and management, I'm especially interested in how blockchain uh, can be seen as an organizing technology that can create new ways to design organizations. And if I had to like uh, you know use a bit of a formula to to, to, to summarize what I'm interested in, uh, that'd be the idea of having management without managers. Hmm. So having the possibility uh, to design organizations without having managerial authority. And I think blockchain is particularly promising in this respect. Um, after all, you know, we, we now have large organizations uh, such as Bitcoin or, or Ethereum that are operating mostly without, without managers. Um, and they've become global, they've become large, um, and they've grown quite successfully. So there's there's a new model here, and I'm really interested in how you know it can be applied beyond cryptocurrency. Um, and then the second area of research that I'm looking at is basically um, looking at uh, blockchain as an underlying technology for a new type of digital platform 
Um, a lot of the large digital platforms that we have out there, um, whether it's the ones run by Facebook or Google or Tencent or Yandex in Russia, they have in common the fact that they rely on machine learning as their core technology to create value. Um, I think blockchain can provide an alternate uh, alternative template whereby uh, we can have decentralized platforms that create value in different ways. And that's what I'm looking at these days as well. That's, that's fantastic. And that, so that's perfect. That leads right into this paper that you published last year in organization theory called decentralization or sorry, decentralized versus distributed organization, blockchain, machine learning in the future of the digital platform. And I wanted to talk to you about this paper specifically because, well, it's, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's one of the more interesting papers I've read in, in some time and where you compare a couple different dimensions of blockchain and machine learning and offer some insights into where these might go and specifically the kind of organizational forms that they cultivate. So maybe you could just say a little bit more about this distinction between decentralized and distributed, as you put it in the paper. Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, so if, if you if you look at the space today, whether it's uh, in the on the academic side or the industry side, uh, people uh, are often talking about decentralization and how decentralized they are and whatnot. And um, what I've been wondering for a while is what do they actually mean by that? Um, it's become a, a you know, it was for a while a PR tactic uh, with unclear technological underpinnings. Uh, it's become a more important issue recently because it really affects regulation and public policy. Um, so, for instance, there's been claims um, made by uh, officials of the Securities Exchange Commission in the U.S. Uh, saying that if your network that is decentralized enough or sufficiently decentralized, then maybe the tokens that you issue are, may not be considered securities. And so they may not be regulated as securities. So the, the question becomes, okay, what is decentralization really and how do we measure it? And so looking at this particular issue, um, you know, I looked at uh, what people had been saying uh, about, about this this, this topic in the fields of computer science, in the field of management, economics, network engineering, and you have very, very uh, inconsistent definitions that are provided about decentralization. And people really mean different things when they talk about this. So it's a very vague uh, notion. So looking at uh, extant discourse, um, I actually went back to uh, the fundamentals of, of organization theory um, and, and, and basically um, emphasized the idea that when you have uh, an organization, there are two important dimensions that you need to take into account uh, to be able to achieve anything. And the first one is uh, how you process information. And the second one is how you arrive at decisions. So information and decision-making. And then I, you know, noticed that uh, the, the two dimensions, they are, they are uh, correlated in some, in, some, in some way. So to make decisions, you need information, of course. However, they don't have to overlap. 
Um, so you can have uh, information within a particular organization or within a particular social network or within a particular digital platform that is more or less dispersed across actors, across members, across nodes. Um, and similarly, you can have decision-making uh, authority that is more or less dispersed uh, across members, across nodes, across agents. And so um, looking at these two dimensions separately, uh, it is possible to, uh, to have uh, more dispersion uh, on one dimension, less dispersion on the, on the other dimension, um, and uh, out of convenience, but also to be in line with uh, uh, you know, prior thinking on the issue, um, I have proposed to define uh, decentralization as the dispersion of information and distribution as the dispersion of decision-making. So you can be uh, more or less decentralized uh, on one dimension and you can be more or less distributed on the other dimension. And uh, basically, this distinction helps us understand a number of phenomena that have been out there uh, uh, without really, you know, an explicit uh, conceptualization. For instance, to pick a very practical example, the idea that we can have distributed ledgers that are not decentralized, that are actually operated uh, by, uh, uh, you know, a corporate entity in a very centralized fashion. And that can really help us understand what is the difference between public permissionless blockchains such as Bitcoins or Ethereum's, um, and on the other hand, uh, corporate IT projects um, that are, you know, uh, implemented by large corporations uh, to cut costs uh, in their supply chain, for instance. And in the latter case, they'd be using distributed ledgers, but they're not necessarily decentralized. Yeah, yeah. I, this day, I think this is a, one of those really interesting fundamental distinctions. And what I like in your paper is that you then apply this sort of, you come up with a fourfold matrix to talk a little bit more specifically about different kinds of organizations. So you've got, uh, I guess it's centralized and concentrated. You've got decentralized and concentrated, uh, centralized and distributed and decentralized and distributed. And they each have their own kind of characteristics. Can you say a little bit more about the, that sort of that fourfold matrix? Yeah, so when you look at these two dimensions, uh, um, you basically can uh, describe four ideal types um, in a way where you can be uh, centralized and concentrated uh, on one extreme and then uh, you can be decentralized uh, and distributed on the other extreme with two intermediate scenarios. Um, and so a lot of traditional corporations, uh, they use delegation of decision-making to uh, middle managers. And so there is, for instance, distribution of decision-making among these organizations. However, uh, there is still centralization of information uh, along that uh, managerial backbone. Um, and so, you know, for instance, when we look at uh, some of the recent controversies uh, involving Facebook, we could see um, that despite uh, claims to the contrary, Facebook was still operating in a very centralized fashion. For instance, when 
it was all the way up to the CEO to decide whether a particular account on Facebook.com during the presidential elections should be uh, banned or authorized or whether a particular post on Facebook.com uh, should be deleted or flagged uh, with a warning. Um, so imagine that in a corporation of like, you know, more than 10,000 employees uh, and billions of accounts and, and several billions of posts uh, made on a weekly basis that it's the number one uh, CEO person who still has the ultimate, um, you know, uh, information access to the database that records posts and status updates and things like that and account, right? So this is a, a clear indication that Facebook is distributed because it relies on managerial delegation, but at the same time, still very centralized. Now, blockchain-based uh, uh, organizing can enable the simultaneous uh, distribution of decision-making and decentralization of information processing. And I think this is the true novelty of blockchain. We are still in the early days in terms of understanding what the implications of, of, of that are, um, but it's an incredibly promising uh, innovation. I would place it on par in terms of how radical it is uh, with uh, the invention of the publicly traded uh, corporation or the limited liability corporation. I think this is uh, when we will look back at history, uh, blockchain-based organizations will be up there with these other, you know, radical innovations. That's yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that's really a, a fundamental point to make. Would you put something like a decentralized autonomous organization, a DAO, on the kind of polar opposite? Uh, uh, as far as the spectrum goes, like this idea that using DAOs, we can, uh, you know, decentralize, um, or should say distributed, I think, in your your, your um, nomenclature, uh, decision-making? Yeah, I think they are uh, probably um, uh, the, the, actually the perfect example of that, uh, provided that uh, every uh, DAO member has access to all the information uh, and there's no restricted access for particular members, then we'd, we'd have full decentralization in terms of information. And provided that um, every DAO member uh, that owns some of the governance tokens has a right to vote uh, on all decisions. Uh, so there's no, there's not like a multi-layered hierarchy of decisions where like, you know, minor decisions you can vote on, but the very important decisions you're excluded from voting on them. Um, if you, if you have this full access uh, of members to decision-making and all sorts of decision-making as provided that they, they have governance tokens, then you would have full distribution as well. And so, uh, yeah, DAOs clearly uh, have the potential to enable that. Uh, not all of them so far are actually working in this way, so we have to be careful. Um, but this is typically something we don't see in traditional corporations. Now, the fact that it's theoretically possible and actually practically happening um, already does not mean that it's efficient uh, or more efficient than alternative designs. Um, so it is very experimental at this stage. It may be more democratic, um, but not necessarily... Uh, it will not necessarily lead to more successful organizations or how successful they will be might depend on the context and what they are trying to achieve. Um, because 
you know, the reason why we have traditional corporations the way they are designed where, you know, some people don't have access to all the information and some people don't have a say in every decision-making process is basically uh, because of the division of labor. Um, and so there are reasons why it may be more efficient not to be decentralized and or not to be distributed. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is one of, the, so this is that goes back to that point about the efficiency that comes from your standard, uh, your sort of your traditional organization that has a managerial layer. Absolutely. So on that point, let, let me switch a little to kind of the, the second part of your, of your paper, uh, which talks about this really interesting tension between really two hypey kind of technologies, blockchain and machine learning. And, and, and you suggest that there really, there's a fundamental tension that uh, in terms of the organizational forms that emerge out of these two technologies. Could you say a little more about that? Yeah, I, I think that um, the tension uh, becomes visible when you compare the business models of uh, centralized digital platforms like uh, Facebook.com or Instagram and the uh, operations of decentralized and distributed platforms such as Ethereum uh, or Bitcoin, you really see that um, when you are relying on machine learning in the former case, you really have strong incentives because of the nature of the technology to pull together uh, a massive amount of data um, so you can derive predictions uh, that you will then monetize one way or another. And this is what Facebook is doing. They are monetizing behavioral predictions about their users and they're selling them to advertisers. And to be able to do that, you need a critical mass of data and there's this uh, pool. Um, so we can, we can you know, speak of data gravity. There's this mass of data that becomes accumulated and the more data you have, um, the more data you attract um, because you're going to attract third-party developers and complementers uh, to your platform and more data will lead to more predictions which by themselves become data as well and etc cetera, etc cetera, and so on and so on and so you can see how a centralized form of organizing is actually a pretty good fit with uh, the use of machine learning as a core technology to create value now on the other hand um, if you want to um, achieve uh, value by uh, having transparency, maintaining a, an independently auditable track record of prior transactions and ownership patterns. It's very important to uh, uh, guarantee that any user can publicly access uh, these records. And this is how you can maintain trust uh, in, in the record itself. And so because of that, you will want to decentralize information as much as you can. And so uh, a good way to do that is to use blockchain. Um, and so it's a very different way of creating value. Obviously, it's for different purposes as well. Um, but so I, I, I would say, you know, if I had to summarize the implications of, of these two technologies in terms of how they produce trust, I would say that machine learning is 
uh, producing trust in a decentral in a distributed fashion uh, through the use of corporate uh, hierarchies and blockchain is producing decentralized trust uh, using uh, blockchain in communities that are flat. Yeah, this issue of trust seems to underpin so much of blockchain. It's interesting to see it coming up in organizational forms here. Yes, uh, I think it's a, it's a fundamental issue. Um, and uh, I think that uh, when we talk about the next um, big thing for the internet, uh, which is uh, called by, by some the metaverse and, or the multiverse by others, um, I like another term myself, which is the paraverse. Um, but anyway, that idea that we're going to be spending a lot of most of our time potentially navigating across uh, virtual worlds, uh, the question is, how do we connect those different worlds? And how do we ensure that whatever value is created digitally in one of those worlds can be used and exchanged in in a neighboring virtual world? And, and so we're going to need to uh, establish trust uh, to be able to create value across uh, virtual worlds. So there are two ways to do that. One way is the, uh, is the corporate way, which, which is what um, Facebook, uh, now renamed uh, Meta, is proposing, which is to create a corporate umbrella uh, that will create standards and that will have corporate control uh, over a number of virtual worlds and platforms. Some of them will be social networking, others will be gaming. Uh, and you'll navigate them using maybe uh, a piece of hardware that's owned by the corporation. Perhaps it's going to be a VR headset. Um, and that will guarantee that, you know, whatever reputation you uh, accumulate in one world uh, is recognized in another one. And so you have to trust the managers of Meta that they will enforce uh, this, uh, this, uh, these mechanisms to ensure that value is maintained over time. And so that's distributed trust because you have to trust, you know, managers uh, to whom uh, decision-making has been delegated. Now, on the other hand, if you look at uh, some of the blockchain ecosystems uh, that are created out there, whether it's Decentraland, uh, whether it's to a, lower, to, to, to a lesser extent, uh, but still Axie Infinity, or uh, what is going on today in the uh, Polkadot ecosystem with its parachains, you have a very different way of maintaining trust. You don't necessarily have a corporation uh, in those cases. Um, and the uh, value that is created in a particular virtual world is maintained by a decentralized record. And these various decentralized records, we can call them blockchains, uh, or we can call them parachains. They are interconnected. Uh, with each other using open source protocols that make them interoperable. And, uh, and so instead of having a corporate umbrella that kind of oversees everything and can capture value everywhere, uh, instead you have an archipelago of islands that are loosely connected uh, using blockchain technology. And so in that case, you know, I, I prefer to speak of, of the paraverse um, in reference to the parachains that Polkadot is uh, anchoring to its main chain in order to maintain trust. And so I think these are two very different models. And I feel that 
soon enough, they will be competing with each other. It will not just be, you know, Facebook competing with Microsoft and with Google uh, in the metaverse. It will be centralized platforms competing with decentralized platforms. And that's a very exciting, mm. uh, a very exciting uh, battle to, to be had. Uh, I don't know where it's going to go, uh, but I think it's just starting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that battle, I mean, you mentioned here Facebook and Meta and the Metaverse or Paraverse, as you might want to call it. Uh, this gets us to right to the question of regulation, which is something you pick up in this paper as well. And you propose this really interesting idea of a kind of a data level regulation as a, as a way that we can uh, maybe break some of these existing uh, concentrations of power. Can you say a little bit more about what you mean by this sort of data level level regulation? Yes. So the uh, traditional approach to regulation has been to um, focus on the corporate level. And so you take a corporation and you say, okay, uh, how much uh, pricing power does it have? Does it have too, too much pricing power? Does it have a, a market share that's too big? Um, and in, you know, if you answer yes to both questions, then uh, maybe maybe you'd consider you know uh, break breaking up that corporation right forcing it to divest some of its businesses uh, and really that works well uh, when you are looking at centralized uh, structures um, and when you are looking at traditional markets where the product is not uh, just data and um, when you look at uh, dominant digital platforms today, really the business they're in is the business of data. And, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to break up corporations um, if uh, they are allowed to just uh, part ways having each a copy of the original data sets, for instance, because then you, you haven't achieved much in terms of uh, weakening their dominant position. You have actually you know, potentially created uh, a duopoly instead of a monopoly, uh, or you have uh, actually held them, uh, you know, uh, specialize each on a different uh, niche market. Um, and so when data is the core um, material that generates value from which you create value, um, I think it's important to realize that this is where regulation should be happening. Uh, and so... The questions that regulators and policymakers need to answer these days are, okay, how are you allowed to collect data? Um, how, when are you allowed, allowed to de-anonymize data? When are you allowed to sell uh, predictions on this data? Um, when are you allowed to prevent users from taking their data back or porting their data to a different ecosystem? Uh, how do you make sure that when that happens, the original record has been deleted, uh, things like that. And this is really uh, the condition under which we will have fair and vibrant competition in the future uh, of digital platforms. Yeah, I think that, that it, hit, it hits the nail on the head there, fair and um, transparent uh, competition. So with that, I think that's probably a great place to end. Thank you, JP. Uh, it was much appreciated. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you, Quinn. That was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to our interview with JP Vernia. To learn more about the IEEE Blockchain Initiative, 
please visit our web portal at blockchain.ieee.org.